0: Hi everyone, I'm Amber Rose, the Religious Hippie, and welcome to A Catholic's Perspective. For those of you just finding this podcast, let me tell you a little about myself. I was born and raised a cradle Catholic until I fell away from the church for eight years. I just recently came back to the church and I could not be happier with where I am today. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying graphic design. I am an ambassador for multiple amazing Catholic Christian companies and I love working with all of them. Now, some of you may already know me from my popular Religious Hippie social media channels, such as TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have all kinds of Catholic content on there, so don't forget to go check those out. So the reason I wanted to start a podcast was so that I'd be able to have a longer format which people could listen to from wherever they are. I particularly wanted to address issues that young Catholics face today in the secular world, and I want to do that by providing information along with commentary and even a little of my own opinion. I can't lie, from time to time I might be discussing very controversial issues, and some will find my opinions unappealing. But I do this out of my faith and service to God. We must keep communicating with each other, respecting each other, and put each other on the path to sainthood. I think you'll enjoy the podcasts coming up, and I thank you for being here with me. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a good friend with me here. She's pretty famous on TikTok, Evelyn. And today, we're going to be talking about modesty. So welcome, Evelyn.
1: Hi. um, As she said, I'm Evelyn. I run Sunflower Catholic on TikTok and Instagram, and I'm very excited. (laughs) Awesome. So,
0: you know, thank you for being here. This is like really exciting. I don't think I've done a modesty podcast yet, so I think this will be great for some viewers. So before we really, really get into stuff, what is your journey with modesty?
1: So basically, I used to be a person who struggled with modesty a lot, Um, not just in the way that I dressed, but in the bigger sense of modesty um, as far as having the wrong intentions behind the way I was dressing. Um, And so there came a moment when I realized that my intentions were that way. And in order to fix that, I really needed to look at the way that I was dressing um, and make some changes. And so it was, it was slow. Um, I know some people have had like overnight conversions where they've like thrown out everything in their closet that was not how it was for me it was a, it was a couple year journey for me um but I ended up settling on Mary and Modestine and I'm very happy with where I'm at with that right now so yeah That's
0: awesome. I know specifically for me, I remember when I came back into my faith, the first thing I did is what you basically said throughout everything that was immodest in my closet. And it's interesting to me because I will still go to certain stores like Goodwill or something, you know, I'll go thrifting and I'll see like a cute crop top and I'm like, oh, I want that. But then I'm like, but why do I want that? You know? And so even though some Immodest clothing I have still today, I usually just wear for pajamas and I wear by myself. I know you do the Marian Modesty. So in public, you only wear skirts and dresses, correct? Yes. Okay. And then when you are alone, do you wear leggings and
1: pants? Yeah. So I currently live in a girls only building. um, And so pretty much anytime I'm just around my dorm building at all, even if I'm not in like common spaces, I'm comfortable. I'll just wear leggings or Whatever, honestly. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: nice. That's nice. And all girls common building. Oh yes. I love that. Um, so how has dressing modestly helped you or how how has it caused issues if there's any issues it caused?
1: Um, so it's helped me in a couple different ways. One of the things that I didn't really expect but noticed um was that it helped me a lot with body image. Um, that was something that I struggled with a lot um in my like early teenage years. And not looking at the way that like my body was being presented and comparing that to everyone else's has helped me tremendously um, with just not worrying so much about the way that I look. Um, I will say that at first it was very difficult because I was doing that exact thing. I was comparing myself to other people with um, wondering if they're judging me with the way that I'm dressing or wondering if I'm sticking out too much. But once you get really comfortable with it, like it's hard to imagine doing anything else. So it's, it's helped a lot with body image. And then it's also helped a lot with just like being really intentional about the way I'm presenting myself to other people, because my intentions in the way that I dress are to be modest. And so then that external reminder of modesty has helped me a lot with internal modesty as well.
0: I love that. I also love, I love when you posted on your Instagram, you, you were riding a horse in a skirt and I was just like, oh, that is, that is so cool that you can do that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Was that hard? That was not difficult. It was a little warm. I have to say I would not, I would do it again, but I would wear an athletic skirt. I've discovered those recently. Those are a lot nicer than a dress over jeans (laughs) for riding a horse. (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh. That's so funny though. Cause like, I was just like, how did she get on and stuff? And I was like, man, if you can do that, you can do anything. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) But I guess that's what they used to do back in the old days too. You know, the women or they would wear like right side saddle. I don't know. It was so weird. Um, (laughs) but that is so cool. So, you know, I noticed that a lot of times these days people get offended sometimes when people like us promote modesty christians especially we get a lot of hate for promoting modesty because they always think it's linked back to our uh religion which in a a state it is you know but it's also moral you know um and i'm sure you've experienced that on some of your platforms yes yeah we as you know women tend to get the the whole like oh you're being oppressive so Mm -hmm. why do you think that people these days tend to link modesty to like misogyny
1: and um, being oppressed so honestly I can the more that I've grown in my journey with modesty I can very much see where they're coming from because when I first got into it I definitely was not doing it for the right reasons initially Um, and I got involved in like a community with a lot of girls who very strictly promoted Marian modesty and like it was like, you're going to hell if you wear pants and like things like that, where it definitely is not for the right reasons and the motivation is not good. And if I had stuck in that mindset, like I feel like I would still be in an almost oppressed state, but there comes a turning point, And I've seen this with most girls who do follow Marian modesty, who are doing it for the right reasons, where you have to be like, that's not right, but this thing is still good like Mary and modesty is still good, but you just have to look at it for the right reasons. And like reading about Padre Pio's teachings and reading about um, Pope Pius X's teachings on it has really helped me a lot. Um, But you have to have that like right relationship and you have to be doing it for God. And it can't be about other people because initially for me, it was about other people. It was about Um, Oh, I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to be tempting people and like that's kind of a good intention, but that can't be the reason it has to be about your relationship with God. And when you make modesty about other people, then it is almost in a way oppressive because you're you're subjugating yourself for other people. But when you're doing it for God like that's like anything else you do in your relationship with Jesus. Um, It's not oppressive to go to Mass on Sunday because I love Jesus. And in the same way, it's not oppressive for me to wear a skirt because I love Jesus and this helps me love him better personally. Mm, I
0: like how you explain that too, because way too many times I've had people say the only reason we need to dress modestly is because how we dress affects other people. And yeah, that is true. Like we don't want to cause other people to sin, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like that can't be the only reason. Otherwise, like you said, then it does become oppressive. And I think that is one of the reasons people say that modesty is oppressive because we do it to protect other people um and i know for a fact like i never really thought it on that aspect i know when i dressed immodestly and things of that nature i was more on the side of just like well they should be able to control themselves and i don't have to even like think about them like they that's their issue And so there's like two sides of the spectrum. I love it. And it's just crazy to see how mindsets change when Mm -hmm. we come back into our faith and really see the reasons we do things. And, you know, as Catholics, we do tend to uphold modesty to a really high standard. Um, Why do we do that?
1: Well, I think it's just because the Catholic Church is so good about recognizing that our actions in every aspect of our lives impact other people. Mm. Um, And so like in choosing external modesty as a reminder of internal modesty, we can work on ourselves in a way where we can be better for the church as a whole. And um, another thing that I've always loved about it is that it's just so much more feminine to me um to be dressing in a way that is showcasing your internal beauty and that's what people see first um and that's one of the things I've loved so much about being at Franciscan because like the warm weather has been coming out and you see everyone in dresses and it's so nice because it's just this like community of women who embrace their femininity um and It's so much more enjoyable when you are surrounded by other people who also do that. Um, And so that's why the Catholic Church as a whole is just like a very good community for that. All right.
0: No, absolutely. And I know a lot of times people, people would always used to say like, and they still actually do like the Catholic church is sexist. They hate women and stuff. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you see how much we venerate our lady? And Mm -hmm. the church is actually referred to as a, she, she is the bride of Christ. And um, so it's always interesting to me when people, people do that. And so kind of turning a little towards society today and what we're seeing in, I know that men and women alike can suffer from impure thoughts, but I find that the men tend to suffer more from immodesty of the mind today than the women. Um, Why do you think that is?
1: So this is something I was actually just discussing with a few friends of mine, because immodesty is a problem with both men and women. Um, And I think... We're starting to see immodesty with men being more of an issue in the very, very recent Mm. um, time period, like just the past year and a half, even. But with immodesty with men, it doesn't even so much bother us as far as tempting us as much. Um, It just is more uncomfortable, (laughs) I feel like, is what my friends and I have been saying. Um, But with immodesty with women, women have been marketed. To society as like this object to be consumed. Um, and I think that ties back in with it not being oppressive, because what I see as truly oppressive is being told that to be respected or to be empowered or to, you know, love our bodies, we have to show them to everyone. And that really is just benefiting um, men who want to objectify our bodies because they get to see everything. Um, but society with like, the use of porn, pornography and like with um, just so many different things, women's bodies are marketed to men. And so that's the mindset that they grow up with. And so that's why I think they struggle with it so much more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know for a fact, it's just like being a teenager in the, in the realm of where the internet just kind of became a new thing. I mean, we're basically very similar in age. And so you were probably raised in the same time of like when the internet became a thing and Facebook and Instagram and it was all new and exciting. But I feel like the parents, you know, the parent like our age never had to deal with that type of stuff. And so their internet was so-called like a PC that took like 70 minutes to boot up, you know, and Absolutely. whereas we could do anything with a click of a button. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like a lot of um our generation parents didn't really understand how to like control that even if there were like certain um safeguards put up or things like that you know restrictions parent parental restrictions kids are kids are smart they they know how to hack nowadays they can easily break those codes and get into whatever they want I've seen it multiple times I did it myself you know as a teenager Yeah. yeah and so it's interesting because with, with the pornography and everything, I mean, it's, it's an industry that is plaguing people and it's causing so many, um, issues, disassociation, depression, anxiety, because people aren't actually forming real interactions with people. And then it causes a bunch of health issues as well that we're probably not going to get into, but, (laughs) um, it's just very, very interesting. And I feel like I don't really know how to explain it, but it's, I know that men and women deal with that issue, but I feel like men tend to be a little bit more open about it than the women do. Um,
1: And I don't, I can't really, I don't know. Do you know why that is? I would say that's definitely something I've experienced as well. Um, Just because it's almost expected of men Mm -hmm. to struggle with that addiction nowadays. And women are just not viewed as having a sexuality almost um and or having that drive or desire and so when they struggle with it they don't feel like they can talk about it because they feel like they're the only one right
0: no absolutely and i i always i find it interesting nowadays that you and i were both traditional feminists where we believe in what traditional feminists, you know, pro-life and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Toxic femininity these days, they always talk about being objectified and all of this stuff. and, And yet most of them advocate for pornography and for abortion. And I'm like, do you not see how these things objectify you? And it's very interesting to me to see how they contradict themselves all the time. And I always wonder how they get to that point where they just, they can't see it. Either that or or they just, maybe it gives them some form of like reason to live. I don't know, but like, I don't know if you know why people advocate for that stuff even though it is literally what they're supposed to be advocating
1: against. I feel like what it comes down to at the end of the day is what the problem is with so many different things in our society and that's the breakdown of the family. Because these people have not had access to the unconditional love that like a well-formed family can provide. And so they want that love and attention and they're gonna seek it from a source that's gonna give it to them. And that's what makes it feel empowering on the outside um, to work in those industries because you are getting attention like almost unconditionally. But what they fail to see is that their surface level contribution to that industry leads to so many more women being exploited against their will. And so they, they think they're empowering themselves, but they're really, it's only surface level. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And not to mention the amount of those industries that actually contribute towards, you know, slave slavery and Mm -hmm. sex slaves and things. It's, Absolutely insane. And you brought up the nuclear family, which I think is, we both believe I guess, is the pillar of society, you know, and men specifically kind of are the top of that pillar. I mean, we are all equal in the sense of like soul and God's eyes, but we have differences that are meant to complement each other. Mm -hmm. And men are meant to be the head of the household and the women, you know, obviously we have an opinion and stuff and they, you know, it's, it's a co it's a co thing, but um, men are the ones who need to have those leadership positions in the home. Um, You take the men out and the women start to kind of um, run the household emotionally instead of logically. And you need that emotion. The women is, the woman is the heart of the home. You know, you need that Emotion, But there is a time and a place for it. And in those instances, I see many um, dads these days in, um, I guess you could say modern type families, I wouldn't call them nuclear families, but modern type families, where they have absolutely no modesty at all. And so based off of that, in what ways do you think men can practice
1: modesty? So, there was an account on Instagram for a while. They don't post anymore. And it made me so sad because it was who I would always refer people to, but it was called masculine modesty or something like that. And what they advocated for was very similar to Marian modesty, but just with the male version of that. So like, personally, I do not think that there's really any reason for men to be going around shirtless. Um, I mean, we're wearing (laughs) two layers. (laughs) (laughs) They can wear one. (laughs) Um, And like, just having like, decent length shorts is really not difficult for men in our modern society their standard of modesty has not changed too much since ever because they're just not being objectified um, or objectifying themselves in the same way mm-hmm. um, so I think I think modesty for them is important but not very difficult. <laughs> No, for sure.
0: I, I always, whenever I do my uh, modesty videos on my YouTube channel and stuff, and I talk about how to dress properly for church, I always have to say, okay, women, sleeves, you know, no, nothing too look. At. And then for the men, I'm like, just wear slacks and a nice button down shirt jacket. Like it mm-hmm. is so easy in a sense. And I don't want to be like, oh, it's easy being a man. No, but like you guys, your, your dressing options sometimes are just so simple. It's, it's pants and a
1: shirt usually, you know? Yeah, and my friend and I were discussing it the other day because there's this community called the Bruderhof that um, has a very interesting community that we were just discussing, but um, they were talking about how the women almost look oppressed because they have like these long skirts that they wear and they look like they're from like a million years ago and the men look like how a modern man dresses. And they were discussing that as if it was like the oppression of the women, but it's really the fact that when you look back in history, the way that men change the way that men dress has not really changed nearly as much as the way women dress has. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Because I mean, if you look at the old ways that women used to get dressed, there were like 17 layers to a dress and a corset and a, I don't even want to know what else. Like there (laughs) was so much that went into it. And the men, they had like, what was it? Probably like long underwear and like an undershirt and then like a coat and whatever. And I'm just like, huh, that must be nice. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, it's very interesting. How do you think, um, I guess in a sense, how is practicing modesty different from men to women? Because I know we kind of touched on that. It's easier a little bit for men because women have way too many options. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, what are some like key differences?
1: So I would say personally, obviously with Marian modesty for me, um, just the emphasis on dressing femininely um, has been, very changing, like very transformative for me. Um, But I understand that that's not the case for everyone. Um, And so for women as like a baseline, I just say, honestly, just not wearing things that are tight across like your whole body. um, It's so difficult because that's like the style and it's so difficult to dress modestly in a way that's not dresses and also look presentable because when you start to get into the fashions where it's like not tight, it almost looks like manly. And so it's very difficult. The fashion industry has made it very difficult for us, (laughs) but, um, just, just covering like what needs to be covered on men and women is just about the same. Um, like most of your thighs and your shoulders and (laughs) everything in between. (laughs) Um, but I think for women, modesty and femininity are like linked in a way that's so hard to even separate just because we are shaped differently too. So um, I think especially with like mass, and I know you've talked about this in your videos on modesty before, like wearing dresses is so important just because it's, it's always gonna be modest. And that's why I like to fall back on it just because I could wear pants and like find a way to make it modest. But I never have to question it. If I'm just wearing like a nice, not too tight on me dress, it's always going to be modest. (laughs) Right. And also, it's
0: usually just one layer. You don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to go overboard. Is there a dress
1: code at Franciscan? So Franciscan just basically asks that you dress in a way that um, exemplifies the dignity of the human person. They don't go into too much detail with it. I know at orientation, they ask that we just don't wear anything that um, exposes the midriff. that's also not very followed here though, or enforced. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I think it's more of a social dress code, honestly, because people here do just dress with so much more dignity. Um, And so I find that people tend to start dressing more modestly after they've gone here, even though there's not an enforced dress code, Mm. which is nice to see.
0: (laughs) Right. No, absolutely. I feel like it also makes you a little bit more energetic sort of like when you're not in sweatpants and a t-shirt all day you actually look nice and you feel motivated I say as I'm in sweatpants and a t-shirt right now
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh I completely understand but that's the thing too like just getting dressed for the day um and like just looking put together just puts me in such a more of a mindset to like actually go and then accomplish things
0: No, absolutely. And I think that's just like a rule of thumb for almost anyone, especially now that we're like, we're still technically in quarantine to an extent. Um, It's one of those things where, you know, we are always on our computers or phones or we're sitting because people are working from home and we're not getting out as much as we used to and things. So it's very nice to be able to just get dressed up and stuff. And even if you have nowhere to go, um, I know sometimes I have trouble putting in the effort because I'm like, oh, so much work and I'm not even going anywhere. But then I make a YouTube video or a TikTok and it, it makes it all worth it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so circling back to um, Catholicism, I guess, and modesty, what do you believe are some of the biggest misconceptions surrounding the Catholic Church's teaching on modesty or just modesty in general?
1: Um, I think there was this one person that I followed on Instagram a while ago who just made a bunch of stories about how she was talking about like there's this expectation that you dress this way and it's so oppressive and what people fail to realize is that like it has to be a choice I also have a friend who just got into a relationship and like her boyfriend wants her to dress more modestly and so she was like convince me and I'm like that can't be the place that it's coming from right. you can't start off doing it for someone else because you're just going to grow to resent it but that is the misconception that like you're doing it for other people um I'd say another misconception is just that like and modesty is like the sole way to do modesty and I know that I've definitely been in places in my life where I've been like no this is the only way to do it this is the one true right answer but that's just not realistic um and so just like the misconception that people who also dress that way are holier because it's very easy if you're not doing it for the right reason to like just put that on on the outside, but still have so many problems internally. Um, so this is the biggest ones I see.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I know, especially in today's day and age, they always, whenever you say modesty, people instantly think jean skirts and, <laughs> and like uh, flannels over the jean skirts and t-shirts or those bedazzled shirts with horses on them or whatever. <laughs> And I'm like, no, like, absolutely. If you want to be comfortable, you don't have to look put together 24 seven. If you dress modestly, like we need to stop saying like, oh, well you don't look put together and modesty's frumpy. It's like, no, you can be comfortable and modest. You don't have to be dressed up 20, 20, you know, 20, a hundred percent of the time, (laughs) but modesty also doesn't have to be frumpy. There are a lot of ways to dress modestly. You just need to dress for your body type. I found that mm-hmm. one out the hard way. See, I need things with a cinched waist and things that go no below, like no longer than like below my knee, like my my calf kind of, because mm-hmm. I'm shorter. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I tend to look if if I wear something too long, I basically get swallowed whole by it.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Um, but then it's just like, if I wear a t-shirt and a skirt that cinches at the waist, but is about knee length, I'm good, you know? And it's usually below the knee, not above the knee for me. Otherwise it looks too short on me. It's crazy. But I think that whole misconception of like, oh, in order to dress modest, I have to dress frumpy and get a bunch of jean skirts. No, no.
1: No. No, that's definitely a thing that I've encountered. People think both ways. People either will say, oh, well, you're so dressed up all the time. Um, When I'm just wearing like a simple athletic skirt, which I, for those of y'all out there who are not familiar with them, it's literally a pair of leggings with a legging material skirt attached to it. And it feels like you're just wearing a pair of leggings. That sounds nice. And so wearing that with just like a simple, like I'll wear it with a more crop top because it it goes up higher so then it just falls nicely but I'll just wear that with like a simple top and people will be like you're so dressed up I'm like I feel like I'm wearing leggings and a (laughs) t-shirt but okay or the other way where they just assume that yeah you're wearing a bedazzled horse shirt with a maxi skirt untucked and light up (laughs) sketchers (laughs) homeschooling I'm homeschooled so I can say that (laughs) I've been there yes that's another misconception too is that it's a homeschool thing I went to public school and still ended up this way so (laughs) I love that (laughs) oh my gosh I
0: love that so yeah absolutely I I completely agree so I guess kind of just wrapping it up here um do you have any tips for anyone wanting to become more modest men women
1: alike Um, I would say definitely start out. And I say this with just about anything you want to change in your faith life. Like you have to start out with a why, like you have Mm -hmm. to sit down. And like, for me, it's just like pulling out a notebook and dumping all of my thoughts out onto a page and organizing it and being like, this is exactly why I want to do what I'm about to do. And then just come up with like a tiny bit of a plan. Like, okay, by this date, I want to be wearing skirts twice a week. If that's the way that you're trying to be more modest or like um, make a plan to go shopping or start looking into different ways to dress to fit your body type. Um, Pinterest has a lot of great things on that. Pinterest has been my best friend. (laughs) Um, but yeah, just like making a solid plan for why and how you're actually going to do it is just the best way to actually accomplish it. Um, and then also if you're living at home with your parents, or if you just like don't really have access to your own like finances, it makes it like a lot more difficult to change your wardrobe. And that's definitely been something that I've experienced and talked to a lot of other people who have experienced that. Um, and it's so important to not beat yourself up over like things you can't control. Um, so that can also just be about being more modest in your intentions and knowing that once you have the ability to make other changes, you can do those.
0: Absolutely. I think that's unique also because these days I feel like a lot of times parents give their kids things on a silver platter, you know, they feed them with a silver spoon. And I was blessed enough to have great parents who, you know, they 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 really help me financially and things like that. But I feel like it's difficult to cater to that audience in your kind of, you know, category where you didn't really have that. And so how you were able to overcome that and still live out your faith, the way you were called to do so is super inspiring because I feel like there's so many kids out there that are just like, well, I can't do it because my parents don't support me or I can't do this because I don't have the financials. And I'm like, well, here's a living, breathing example for you. (laughs) (laughs) So it's one of those things where I think your story will be like really appreciated to a generation that You know, didn't grow up with that kind of support, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, even though our parents are still, you know, very, very nice and supportive in different areas, you know. Yeah. But in some areas, it's, it's, they, they want you to kind of have the kind of sink or swim (laughs) kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's really cool for people to be able to be in that situation and have somebody who's actually gone through that and is in college and stuff, even though you don't want to be, but I
1: understand. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole other thing. But it's yeah, a whole other thing. Know, I think we, we live in such a generation of people who were raised with either a very minimal religion or very lukewarm religion. True. And so there's so many people who would be so much more strongly Catholic, or have so much more of a call to modesty, or so many of these other devotions, if they just have had that support. But I think it's so important for them to know that not having that support doesn't mean you can't make those changes on your own. Right.
0: No, absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And where can my followers find you once again? Just let in Instagram or whatever.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, my username is sunflower catholic no underscores or anything on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So you can find me there.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Evelyn, for being here with us. I appreciate it. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do this again sometime. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'll talk to you later.
1: I'll talk to you later. Okay.
0: And For those of you that are wanting to get into more modesty, I hope that this podcast was super helpful. And, you know, don't forget to go follow Evelyn. She has great content. And yeah, I will talk to you guys in the next podcast. God bless. Questions or comments about today's episode, email me at the religious hippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash the religious hippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you for listening to a Catholic's perspective with Amber Rose, The Religious Hippie. Please be sure and rate and review this podcast. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Be sure to like and follow The Religious Hippie on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, or visit her official website at TheReligiousHippie.com. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. And be sure to visit Metatomics.org to see our listings of other unique podcasts.